Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Erwin Mitchell podcast, here to keep you up to date with legal and financial news that matters to you. Today we'll be talking to a handful of our trainee solicitors to give you an insight into the role uh, and hopefully answer any of your questions ahead of applying for a training contract. My name is Emma Rush and I'll be in the hot seat today. I'm a partner in our medical negligence department based in Birmingham uh, and I'm also the firm's training principal, which means I look after and oversee all of our early careers training from applications right the way through to qualification. Together, we're going to have an in-depth discussion about what it's like to be a trainee solicitor at Owen Mitchell, what our culture is like and our DNA, and finally, touching upon the hot topic of technology in law. So thank you to everyone for joining us. Okay, so to help us get started, I'm delighted to introduce our first trainees to look at the role of a trainee solicitor at Owen Mitchell. We've got Sophie Martin uh, and also Lily Peach. So welcome, Sophie and Lily. Hello. Hello. Uh, all right, so I would like to know, please, what a normal day looks like in the life of a trainee. Lily, do you want to go for, go for that? So part of a trainee's role is usually to work in four different teams throughout the two years. So the amount of tasks that you do do vary depending on what seat you're in. But generally speaking, um, we do a mix of client work and then non-billable work. So in terms of client work, uh, usually pretty much every day, I'll have a, a client call um, as well as loads of internal calls, usually on Microsoft Teams now. And in the client calls, I'll be drafting an attendance note. So we have a record of what the client's instructions were. Uh, we also do a lot of researching. So I'm in my real estate seat now. So I'm doing a lot of land registry research as well as drafting. So in my previous seat, I drafted a lot of witness statements for court, which was really interesting. And in terms of the non-billable stuff, so we have the opportunity of getting involved with the charity committee, which I really enjoy, as well as brushing up on your own training. Uh, Sophie? Yeah, I think it's it's fairly similar. Um, I think, you know, obviously, as Lily said, there's quite a lot of sort of drafting, client meetings, court hearings. Um, at the moment, I'm actually in sort of a more non-contentious seat in court of protection. Um, so that's sort of a different type of work. So again, that can be um, research. So recently, I've just started doing a bit of research on sort of, you know, insurance or bills or um, stuff like that. So it can vary. Um, I think, you know, the other thing is sometimes just urgent stuff does come up. And I think it's about having that flexibility to sort of you know, if an, if an email pops into your inbox saying that there is sort of this thing that needs doing straight away, it's about being able to sort of rearrange your day and, and fit that in. Um, and I think also an important part of my day nowadays um, is probably having Teams chats with people. So we use Microsoft Teams or um, or whatever to sort of speak with other members of the team, have team meetings and stuff, because I think it's important to be able to check in. So that's usually what I do at least sometimes a day. So both of you have just sort of touched on things that you do in, in a normal day and so for you were mentioning that often urgent things can come in um to deal with so i suppose what i'd like to know is what sort of skills do you feel are most important as a trainee for dealing with those sorts of situations but also general trainee work 
Um, I think, as as you just said, sort of flexibility is really important. Um, so being able to adapt to those sort of situations where you know you've got your head in one task, but something else just comes up. But also flexibility in terms of I've certainly worked with many different people across my different seats, um, and everybody has their own way of doing things and their own way of they like documents to look or they like things to be approached in a certain way. And it's being able to sort of um, to go with that and to sort of adapt and follow what they're doing. And then at the end of it, being able to pick out the best bits from everyone's different way of working and sort of form your own style. Um, so, yeah, and I think it goes along with that is organisation as well. Um, because if you drop that task and pick up another, you've got to be able to come back and, and fit that in somewhere else. So it's about being organised, keeping track of what you've got to do. Yeah, lots of plate spinning. Lily, how about you? Is it much different in terms of the, the skills you think are important to have as a trainee? Yeah, I definitely agree with Sophie. Adaptability is so key. So because you're doing really different tasks, I mean, you could be researching in the morning and then drafting in the afternoon. You do need to be able to adapt from different tasks very quickly. And also in terms of communication, so you need to adapt your own communication if you're talking internally, if you're talking to the other side, if you're talking to your own client if you're advocating at court with a judge. Um, so yeah, I think adaptability is really key. But also I'd say attention to detail. So you, you need to be good at proofreading your own work um, as well as your colleagues' works. Um, and it also helps you pick up on the issues in the case as well. So I think that that's really key. Yeah, that's um, I'd agree with all of those, to be honest. And, and that doesn't change, I don't think. So uh, you need those skills as a trainee, you also need them as a partner. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's really good. Okay, so what advice would you give to those considering a career in law? Um, I'd definitely say apply for legal work placements or vacation schemes as they give you such a great taster of what it's like to be a trainee. They're so realistic. Some of the tasks that I did on my legal work placement are this exact same task that I'm doing now as a trainee. So it does give you a really good insight as to what it's like. Um, and more importantly, I'd say it really shows you what the culture of the firm is like and if you if you actually be a good fit for the firm and vice versa it works both ways if that's the type of firm that you want to work for so i definitely recommend applying for those and also when you are applying for training contracts i'd say really research the firm and tailor your application to that firm because firms do differ um so again the research will help you understand if this is a firm that you will fit in well with yeah, I think that's really good advice. Sophie, how about you? Any other sort of top tips for people considering career in the law? Um, I think, yeah, I'd agree with all that Lily said. I think just to add is sort of, I think with law, it's, you know, lots of people are trying to get into it and lots of people have lots of different routes in. And I think for me, it was about trying to focus on what I was doing and not sort of compare myself to everybody else. So I actually did a history degree and sort of did the GDL and the LPC. So I sort of maybe a bit later come into law than others. And I sort of used to worry about not being qualified early enough and things like that. But I think it's sort of focusing on what you're doing and you'll make your own way there. And it's just as valid as any other way there. Um, and I think similar to that, staying positive. I think sometimes there's a lot of applications, a lot of sort of hoops that you've got to go through. And it's about sort of staying positive, as I said, sort of keeping with it. Um, I didn't get the training contract first time at Owen Mitchell. So, you know, it was really hard at the time, but I think that extra year, I was paralegal at the time. 
in our public law team. The extra year of experience really helped me the second time around because I had a lot more to talk about and I sort of took on the, the feedback that early careers had given me at the time, which was really helpful. I think they said, you know, you need to be a bit more sort of confident and a little bit less quiet. So I sort of worked on that across the year and, and the second time around, I felt a much sort of better place to, to do it. So I think it's just about keeping on in there, even though it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, no, that is a really, really good um, tip and really good advice. All right, so I'm really interested to know how you both found working virtually during your training contracts. How have you both found that during you, during the training contracts? Um, Sophie, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So, um, so I think I was about two weeks into my second seat in serious injury when we when we had to go home, and I think the first few weeks were sort of really strange because I think a lot of being a trainee when you're new is sort of just sitting in the office, listening to people. How are people dealing with calls? How are people talking to each other about cases? You know, just being able to sort of turn around and ask your ask your neighbour sort of what to do, and I think not having that immediately was was very strange. But I think. Um, We've adapted sort of the team that I was working in adapted quite quickly to do things in a different way. So it's just about finding the different ways to do things. So calling somebody up to ask that question, you know, checking in on people, attending things virtually, making sure that you're sort of being a bit more proactive maybe and checking with people. Sort of, have you got stuff on? Can I help? Can I be involved? Because people don't just walk past your desk and sort of, you know, ask you to come along as they probably would have done before. Um, and certainly I've, you know, learned lots of new skills. I can do things with PDFs that I probably could never have done before. So it's been an opportunity as much as it's been a challenge, I think. Um, so yeah, that's how I found it. Yeah, perhaps you could teach me how to work PDFs. That would be, that would be brilliant. Uh, Lily, how about you? Yeah, I completely agree. It is strange um, not being in the office and hearing your colleagues speak about things um, and not being able to just quickly ask them a question. But fortunately, we've got Microsoft Teams, so I feel like I'm on calls with my colleagues all the time or I'm just sending them like a quick chat on Teams. And yeah, there's ways around it and I've actually really enjoyed it. My team, so I've been working for two teams over the pandemic both teams have been brilliant. So both of my supervisors checked in on me all the time just to see how I was doing, if I needed any help. Um, and I think that there's like a big focus on well-being as well during the pandemic. So we frequently get emails um, for helpful links should we need them. So yeah, I've, I've quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm not sure I've enjoyed the pandemic itself, but you, <laughs> you're absolutely right in terms of the in terms of the contact that Microsoft Teams has enabled us to have with people, I think that's been really crucial, actually, because we can still communicate sort of face-to-face, -face, even though we might not be in the same room as one another. Um, all right, well, I think that probably brings our section about life as a trainee solicitor at um, Earl Mitchell to a close. So I'd really like to say thanks to both of you for attending. So thanks, Sophie, and thanks, Lily, for sharing your thoughts. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having us. Okay, so next we'll be talking about our culture and DNA uh, and who we are as a business. For this, I'm excited to welcome Mika Hall and Olivia Sinclair. So welcome to both of you, Mika and Olivia. Hi, hello. Hello. It's good to have you uh, with us for this podcast. So every firm has its own DNA. Tell me about our firm's DNA and what it means to you, Mika. I think it's really about valuing the people that you work with, being a valued member of a community that 
comes together and supports each other, brings everybody's talents to the table um, in order to provide an incredible service to clients um, and, uh, you know, be able to push boundaries. Yeah, and so why why do you think it's important to feel connected to an employer's culture or, or DNA? Well, I, I've been, obviously, as a, as a career changer, I've been part of an organization that has been acquired, and you can really see the difference, that the values that, the, that are driven from the leadership and lived by the people who work in the business make to your enjoyment of working there and the, the end result product that you're delivering to the clients. If the leadership are driving the right values and everybody's living and working those values, it makes it a great place to work. And you, you get up every morning feeling really happy to go there and, and do quality work. Um, if, you, you know, if, if it's not, it can very swiftly become, the, become a, a different place to work. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And Olivia, what are your thoughts on this? Well, when I think about DNA, I think in general we're referring to something which is unique to individual people. And likewise, when we talk about Erwin Mitchell's DNA, what we're really referring to is the qualities and attributes which are unique to this firm. Um, so our DNA is who we are, how we behave, and how we want to be perceived within the industry. Um, I think that for me, the aspect of Owen Mitchell's DNA, which makes the firm unique, is the approach it takes to providing legal services um, and supporting its colleagues and clients in order to achieve incredible things. Um, and I think that um, we really make a huge effort to understand that everyone's situation is different and get to know our clients as well as the complex challenges that they might be facing um, in order to achieve the best possible outcome really and that goes for colleagues clients and communities across the board and why do you think it's important to feel connected to an employer's culture and dna well i think that ultimately the dna of the firm incorporates the ideals and qualities which you're expected to emulate and therefore it's important to feel connected to that culture in order to promote those qualities um, through your own actions and um, there are a number of uh, values which IM promotes across the workplace such as pushing boundaries and supporting clients and communities and valuing one another and I think that each employee needs to feel connected to that um, in order to work towards a common goal within the wider firm. Um, and so we're obviously in quite challenging times at the moment. Um, how important is it to know that you have the support of your employer and that your work-life balance and well-being matters to your employer so much? Well, in short, I think it's incredibly important. Um, it's, as you say, a completely unprecedented unprecedented circumstance and um, nobody really knows how to um, react and adapt to it um, but I think that ha feeling that the firm supports you which Erwin Mitchell really does um, does really help to combat those feelings of unease um, given the current circumstances so for example the fact that Erwin Mitchell provided everybody with the IT equipment that they were required to to need for, um, for working from home and um, the fact that they support the support Owen Mitchell offers extends to outside of the workplace as well. To um, when people are going through difficult times, um, 
in their own personal lives. I think that's really, really important. And it just makes you feel that you're part of a community rather than um, just coming to work and that being separate to the rest of your life. I, I think it's hugely important because it, it's something that you can't see in, a, in a, all the intangible ways that you might be able to see that when you're in the office um, about how much you matter. But I, I think I'm you know, incredibly fortunate in the way that the firm has reached out to me um, and taken advantage of, you know, the fact that I'm a neurodiverse person and, you know, they've, they've provided extra support to me um, to enable me to work in this, you know, incredibly unusual way. Um, and uh, I found actually I'm probably as productive as I've ever been and I'm as happy as I've ever been and I'm, you know, feel supported every day by the people I work with. Yeah, and that is so important, isn't it, in the, in the current climate? It really is. So, Maiken, you've talked about being neurodiverse and how important um, it is that the firm supports, supports you in, in that. Do you want to just tell our listeners a, a bit about that? Yeah, sure. So um, I have uh, adult ADHD. Um, I'm in a, the 99th percentile for adult ADHD. So, you know, it's, it's something that's been a real feature of my life. Um, but it's something that I've never been supported with in terms of um, my employers. I was very late diagnosed. It's always something that I've just had to hide, something I've had to deal with. Um, but when I've got to IM and I've, I've obviously been diagnosed in the interim as, a, as an adult, um, then uh, I've found myself to be really supported and uh, appreciated. Because the thing is, is that for people like me who've got something like ADHD, we we it's not about problems. It's about we have a balance of things that we can bring to the table that other people perhaps can't. And there are also some things that we need to, that need to be considered when working with us that other people maybe don't need to have considered. And the, the way that IM has particularly tried to, to step up to the plate and provide me with special assistance and, and tools to enable me to do that has just been so impressive. Absolutely. I think it's so important that you as a person can bring yourself to work, you know, whoever you are, whatever um, issues you might have faced or will be facing now. So hopefully the firm's culture and, and DNA, as you've explained, really supports you in, in, in being able to do that. So the firm's DNA also talks about supporting communities. Um, just as a trainee, how are you able to get involved with that sort of thing? So um, there are um, a number of, you know, events and so on that we're, that we're able to join. But I mean, I think the most important thing is the fact that there are, you know, virtual teams of people recognizing the different types of communities that exist within IM. So I'm a, a member of the neurodiverse of the, uh, the uh, I am able group, you know, who, because I'm, I am a neurodiverse person. And um, I feel that that recognition of, you know, the, the, different, the, the different types of people within the organization is really important. We're all able to get involved in that. It doesn't matter what level you are. We're all able to contribute. And I've also been so impressed by the amount of work that the firm does in all the offices, but particularly in Southampton, you know, for the, for the amount of work that is done for charity, um, the amount of work that's done with the local community. That's very impressive work. Would you like to add to that, Olivia? Um, in a lot of ways, really, I would say, um, for example, 
firm-wide, I know that we have our CSR days, which stands for Corporate Social Responsibility Days. And they're paid days where um, we're encouraged to go out into the wider community um, and, and support those communities in any way we can, really. So an example of that is um, a number of trainees, when I first started working at the firm, went to um, a local community centre to paint some fences and revamp it a little bit. And then um, in addition to that, there's obviously a number of free pro bono, le pro bono legal clinics, which um, are organised through the firm. Um, I know that one of them in the Birmingham office is Birmingham Irish, um, where we can go and volunteer to give free legal advice within the community. And then I think um, there's also a number of awareness days, uh, which trainees are encouraged to get involved in. Um, and that's supporting communities, which I am clients might be um, might be a part of or might have sought help from in the past. So, for example, charities which support families with child brain injuries or um, recently I know that we've supported World Sepsis Day on behalf of the Sepsis Trust. So um, overall, there's always either a pro bono or a charity initiative going on to get involved in. That's brilliant. Okay, so I think that probably brings our discussion about our culture and our DNA to a close. Um, thank you, Mika and Olivia, for um, all of your contributions and really bringing um, this discussion to life. So in the final section of our podcast, we'll be discussing the role of technology in law. To do so, I'd like to give a warm welcome to two trainees, Darina Fysak and Matt Kayoka Ilunga. Um, so welcome to Darina and Matt. Good to have you with us. Yeah, great to be Hi, on. Yeah. All right, so technology in law, big topic, but tell me what it means to you as a trainee. Uh, Darina, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I think um, technology impacts all areas of legal services. So the way I see it is as an enabler. So technology complements the law. So on its own, technology can't do anything. So it needs our input in order for it to work. Um, and I think it's really important that we always ask a question of, why, what, what is it that we're trying to solve? Um, because it's not about just jumping straight in technology, but you know, it's a tool and what can we do with it in order to solve a problem? Um, I think technology is becoming increasingly important um, and future lawyers must be able to understand the law and also technology and what it can do for them. Um, I think it will close the current gap between the law experts as well as the scientists who are able to develop these tools, because at the moment I do think there is a gap between the two. Um, during a recent webinar I went to with Richard Suskin, who is an expert in this field, he spoke about how we should be looking at law tech slightly differently. He said we should concentrate on what is, what is the outcome we're trying to achieve because at the end of the day, the client wants to solve their problem. It's not about whether we have the latest tech or not. All they want is a solution to their problem. So if we can deliver that, then great. Um, I also think it's about learning from other industries. A um, number of industries have adapted technologies which law firms haven't yet even looked at. So it's about looking at what other industries have done and learn from what's worked and what hasn't. And that could also help us to provide better service for our clients because we'll be able to collaborate and learn from um, everyone else who's done something similar. Yeah, really brilliant points. Matt, how about you? 
I think for me as a trainee, it's really important that the processes that I do, for example, writing letters, um, drafting documents, reviewing documents is a lot quicker. And with that time, really, I can focus on client care and adding value to the client relationship. I think that's really important because I know you see a lot of stuff in the media about technology replacing um, lawyers and lawyers being becoming obsolete over the next 10 to 15 years. But I don't think that's true. I think what's true is that clients will encourage us to be a bit more technologically minded in order to spend that time building that relationship and also um, providing a better service because that's going to differentiate every lawyer from just any other lawyers. Um, Darina, so you recently co-authored a book on technology and law. Do you want to just tell us a bit more about that? Um, yeah, so I've actually got a copy here, but obviously the listeners won't be able to see it. Um, so I've been interested in law tech for a number of years now. Um, and last year I came across an opportunity to co-author a legal tech book. Um, the book covered things like AI, smart contracts, and the future of law. Um, Graham Thompson, who's Erwin Mitchell's chief information security officer, and I co-authored a chapter for that book. We spoke about ways in which law firms can become cyber secure uh, whilst using Greek methodology, just to make it a bit more fun and edgy. Um, so I, I think it's really great. Um, I recommend it, obviously. Um, and I think you know, cyber security is becoming increasingly important, um, especially now that we are working remotely and you know we're going towards digital way of working um, I think the book is great it's got loads of brilliant contributors from different areas of law or technology um, and I think it's a good starting point for anyone who's looking to find out what will happen in the next few years in the legal services and the impact of technology on on what we do well it's very impressive that you have had time to co-author a book I, I must say that is very impressive indeed how do you both think that technology will impact the future of the law? Max, do you want to go first? Um, firstly, by the way, Doreen, I'm still waiting for my signed copy of the book. <laughs> it's going to change the industry because I think the legal industry is lagging behind um, all other industries. And I think really what needs to happen is that the legal industry needs to match other industries, for example, um, the, the, the impact that's happened over the financial um, services over the last 20 years, you can see open banking, different ways of banking. There's, there's some bank uh, banks now without any sort of um, physical buildings. I think the legal industry is going to do something similar in that actually it's going to um, use a lot more technological tools in order to have more online facing. Um, there's going to be a lot more video calls and actually it currently face-to-face um, -face is, is, is gone down a little bit. So actually, it's going to be replaced with technological solutions. And actually, that's going to stay for a lot longer. And I think, I think clients are going to prefer having that immediacy in order to, to their legal contacts. They're going to prefer having um, just that instant reaction to sort of letters or correspondence. And I think that's going to be a lot better for the legal industry in about five years to, to come. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's going to be a huge, um, huge reliance on, on artificial intelligence in the future. Um, Dorina, how about yourself? How do you think technology will impact the future of law? I think for me, it's about two things. It's revolution and evolution. So it depends whether we're talking about AI judges or are we looking for existing technologies such as e-signature that can improve delivery of legal services. 
So some industries are utilizing a number of different technologies, solutions, such as chatbots. And although it might be suitable for when you are trying to buy a new phone, for example, it's less likely to be suitable for sensitive cases such as family disputes or medical negligence cases. These cases are where clients really want to speak to a human who can understand their situation and only then suggest a solution. Just because we can do something doesn't mean that we should. And it's about finding the right solutions for us. I think there will be an increased utilization of data. So we'll be able to use existing data from other cases and judgments to deliver an even better solution for our clients. I also think that automation of some of the tasks, um, something that Matt touched on, will mean that we'll have more time to spend on concentrating on developing our relationship with our clients, looking at strategies to better progress the case. And it will also allow us, hopefully, to speed up some of the dispute resolution that we're working on. Um, and lastly, I think technology can help us with access to justice. Um, at the moment, costs associated with legal services can be a barrier but the development of tools and platforms could change that. However, I do want to point out that technology will not completely solve the issue of access to justice because it's not always suitable for the case or an individual, but it's something that we can look to in order to solve some of the current issues we have. Yeah, great points. Just bringing us back to the, the present, I suppose, as a trainee, how do you use technology day to day Currently, do you want to take that first? Yeah, so I think for me, technology is everywhere. So we use our laptops to access our cases. We now hold virtual conferences and hearings. Even with the current lockdown, we were able to utilize tools such as Teams, which allowed us to collaborate and work remotely and provide better solutions and services to our clients. Um, I think that the current situation has also accelerated some of the speed and, and changed to what the law firms have to do in order to adapt um, to the current situation. Um, we went from physical bundles to electronic bundles. We went from hard copy letters to e-letters that can now be e-signed, which is obviously improving the speed at which we can um, move things forward. Um, I think it is an evolving area and we should keep an open mind to ways in which the technology can really help us with that. And Matt, how about yourself? Um, so for me, I kind of think that, um, especially if I'm like over neutral, they kind of hire people because they want to sort of see a diversity of thoughts. And I think the reason why I mentioned that is because in terms of technology, for me, my kind of role, I kind of try and make sure I stay on top of any sort of new technologies that the firm is bringing in and encourage use across the teams. And I think really what, what that is, and that's kind of, I feel like it's my role as trainee, I kind of help people out and make sure actually they're up to speed in terms of the new technologies, but also that they're using it because really in five, 10 years time, there's going to be a complete massive shift in terms of how clients want data and also how law firms want to work. And I think it's really an important part of the role for a trainee solicitor to be like, actually, shall we just move this to Teams rather than clogging up our inbox with this task? And I think that really needs to, that, that's a really good characteristic for any trainee to have is actually to suggest, shall we do this differently? Yeah, all brilliant points. Okay, well, I think in a very short space of time, we have covered the hot topic that is technology and law. So um, thank you both for joining us. That was brilliant. And that is it for today. 
Thank you to our trainees for sharing their experiences of what it's like to be a trainee at Owen Mitchell. We hope you found it useful. If you'd like to find out more about our training contract opportunities, please do visit our website at graduaterecruitment.owenmitchell.com. Thanks for listening to the Owen Mitchell podcast. If you found it interesting, then please do join us for our next episode and please everyone stay safe.